Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Greetings to all of my unlucky lounge rats, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of Draft and Draft. I wanted to take a minute to address the things that are happening around in the world and say that we here at the podcast believe in the tenements of Black Lives Matter, that trans lives matter, that all lives matter. No matter what your background is, where you come from, or how we got to where we are today, every living being should be treated equitably and fairly, and that the fight for the rights of everyone and the ability for us to speak out loud and say how we feel is a universal right of humanity. And as we are now a few weeks into our protests to make sure that everyone is being treated with a fair and reasonable level of existence, that still in this time it's important for us to be able to voice, say what we need to say, and be heard. And however it is to support, I want you to go out there and do those levels of support, be it monetarily, protesting, or even just reading and listening to the opinions of people that are different than ourselves. All of these add up to us becoming a greater human consciousness. When I grew up, I grew up with the last name of Enriquez, a culture that has been marginalized in the past, being from Mexico and being in the world as it is, it was very easy for people to look at that last name and make assumptions about me. However, in this moment, I have to also recognize that I am a white, cis, male, gendered man. And that being true, I have to also recognize the privileges that are innately there for me in this society. And over the last few weeks, as people are protesting and voicing and making sure that the world knows what is going on, I also have to take the moment to recognize that I am, in fact, a white, cisgendered male man with privilege. And as I learn the inherent systemic racism that exists in the world, I have to also recognize where I have been and how I can learn and grow from all of this. And all that being said, this episode was recorded approximately three weeks ago at the main start of the protests. And there's a character in this episode that is rather xenophobic. And I had to take some time to sit on this character and reflect upon it to see how it was in the way that the world is currently. And the fact is that this episode was not only created with such wonderful spirit by the gentleman at Let's Draft, but also the fact that it is a parody, a farce, that these are elements that I believe should make this episode still be released. And so with that in mind, this parody farcical episode about power creep and about two dichotomous opinions going up at it in a hilarious and absurd way is to be broadcast here today. So please enjoy, listen, have a good time, support where you can, support how you can, and enjoy this episode of Draft and Draft. Thank you for listening. 
Greetings to all of my unlucky lounge rats throughout the multiverse. Wonderful to see you ventured back here to the unlucky lounge for another episode of Draft and Draft. My name is Corey, your limited lore master and denizen of Monoscrew Manor, and as always, joining me, the best of the business, a bear tender to make any day the best kind. His name is Borak. Buddy, always great to have you on the show. <laughs> It may be in your contract to join me every week, but you know you love it. And regardless of that fact, it's not just the two of us on this episode. We've got some very special guests joining us for this week's edition of Draft and Draft. But before we get to that, a few bits of housekeeping. As always, the podcast is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. Check them out, B-L-E-A-V, wherever you download your podcast with great topics of conversation from different spheres of the pop culture and social universes and as always we love to have you join in on the conversation check us out on twitter on instagram draft and draft cory and if you're getting some fun stuff out of this you tune in for a few weeks think about joining our patreon it's draft and draft an mtg podcast to enjoy some more offerings from the unlucky lounge well that's enough of our housekeeping the sorcerer's broom is put back into the condra's closet and as we were coming up with ideas of how to further expand the offerings here in Monoscrew Manor, we sat back, myself and Borak, and realized something very, very important. Most all of our insights come from fellow Magic players, and I certainly love hearing from the best in the world, like LSV, Reed Duke, Autumn Burchett, and more. But have we ever thought to talk to the cards themselves? Well, here on this week of Draft and Draft, we're going to have another one of our shows within a show. We are going to invite two of the commons from Ikoria to talk about the topic of power creep in a little segment we like to call Cardboard Conversations. The event hall is open in Monoscrew Manor, and before we go back there, wherever you are, hold up a glass, celebrate yourself. It's time for the untapped step. Nothing's better than the first sip. Well, that's enough for me. It's time for us to swing it back to the event hall lounge. Borak, do us a favor and get us into it. Welcome, everyone, here back to the Enriquez Entertainment Event Hall as we have our first edition of a segment that we like to call Cardboard Conversations, a chance where the cards themselves can speak on behalf of things that happen in our game. We have two cards joining us here in our session. First, from the blue side of the Monopantheon, Facet Reader. Facet Reader, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me on, Corey. And on the other side of the table, a creature that is sacrificial, but is also doing it for all the right reasons. It's mutual destruction. Mutual destruction, it's really wonderful to see that you've joined us here. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Our first question is going to go to mutual destruction. I would like to know your opinion. Do you think the concept of power creep, is it real? Has limited and magic in general been showing an increase in power level over cards from the past 
um, the, the past doesn't really matter. I, I mean, I'm the future. It's just, that's, you know, that doesn't really get better than me. Well, I mean, what then is the future? I am the future. And the future is? Me. A very powerful opinion from a very powerfully opinionated card. We're going to send that same question over to Facet Reader. I would like to know from your opinion, do you think that power creep and magic is a thing that's happening? Very good question, Corey. It is happening, but it takes a true human's intellect to dissect the way it's happening. My beautiful human mind has figured out over time that spells are getting less powerful in general, while creatures are getting more powerful. And then there's creatures like me who are powerful because we are humans. Well, Facet Reader, you said that creatures are getting better and spells are getting worse, but others might say that you're just a pale imitation of merfolk looter. What would you have to say to people that say that? No, no. That is a misconception that has spread around an evil misconception. The truth is, I am better. I'm a human. And humans have all types of benefits. Much more intelligent, for example. Oh? Intelligent how? Intelligent... The, the way we work together and band into tribal attacks against our enemies and our intellect to control the dirty beasts of the world. Well, some people might say the fact that you require a mana to activate to draw a card and discard a card makes you less intelligent than a merfolk. Wouldn't you say that's true? Okay, but at least I'm not a merfolk. And that card was a mistake in my opinion. Well, speaking of mistaken, mutual destruction, I have to ask, do you think that Facet Reader is mistaken in his assessment of creatures being better than spells lately? I think he's obviously mistaken. It's obviously spells. I mean, I'm the best thing there is, really. It's obvious. Do you care to elaborate? No. Clearly a card of few words. I really don't think it matters when you can just Blow up cards with, blow up creatures with cards like me. I, 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 power creep, schmauer creep. Eloquent, and I don't even think that's a word. Let's go back to how the two of you, I think there's some pretty strong contrasting cards that you've been compared to. So first, uh, Fast Reader, you've already expressed your divinity for being human, but when someone expresses that you're, in fact, the merfolk looter of your format, how does that make you feel? Oh, piss fish. Piss fish. I hate it. I'm a human. Maybe he's actually allergic to shellfish. Mutual destruction to you. How do you feel when people compare you to a card like Bone Splinters? Bone splinters. They're nowhere near bone splinters. I'm so much better than bone splinters. I don't even know why we keep bringing up bone splinters. Well, you have to, you have to admit that the two cards, you and bone splinters, you're, you're quite similar. I don't know when similar, similar, and as an additional casting cost, I I have to sacrifice a creature. Is, Is that the dilemma? I mean, I suppose that's 
I mean, people are comparing you. You're both one black mana. You require a creature to sacrifice to cast, and you destroy a creature. That does seem like it'd be quite similar. It's true. Just not sure that it matters. I'm probably the best card that's ever been made, and I'm not sure why there's even a comparison being drawn. It's really frustrating to me. So you're saying that you're better than a card like Mana Drain? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not even sure it compares in the same universe, really. I mean, once again, I, I destroy creatures, so I, I think that's the most powerful thing you can do. You know what? I, I just have to ask this. Faster Reader, has anyone ever told you that you sound a lot like Emperor Palpatine from Star Wars? I don't know who this Emperor Palpatine is, but I guarantee you, if he was in a deck with me, I would find him very quickly. I am very good at filtering. I immediately regret asking that question because that was super creepy. Anyway, back on topic. So Mutual Destruction, the next question comes to you. Some of the critiques of you say that you're not a very good card when the player is behind. How would you respond to that? Behind? Oh my gosh, I am so good from behind. Let me tell you a story. Just the other day, I was playing with the best player in the world. Oh, the best player? Who? Who? It, I don't even know. It, it really doesn't matter. And I had come to the point in the game where I hadn't been drawn yet, but of course, the other side of the table was just filled with 30, 40 creatures. And, you know, uh, I was finally drawn, and bam, I dropped me down and won the game. There's really no better way to come from behind. Well... I mean, you just destroy one creature. Wouldn't your player still lose because there's 39 other ones on the board? Well, basically, it was bam, game over. One, thank you very much, came from behind. Did they swing through underneath, like evasion? Like, how did that end? It was a bam, won the game, thank you very much. And uh, I'm, I walked out the door feeling fantastic victory. The victory sign came up, the exclamation marks. It was joyous. Still not quite sure how you won that game, but I don't think I'm getting anywhere else with that. Whoa, this is kind of crazy, but I just got a live tweet here in the middle of this interview from one of our unlucky lounge rats asking a question to Facet Reader. Facet Reader, my listener wants to know, how does it make you feel being compared to Merfolk Looter? Does it make you feel inferior because that card is just strictly better? <laughs> What kind of show is this? This is, I'm set up. This is gotcha journalism here. First of all, I can go into a human's deck. Have you seen the Merfolk deck pop up lately in modern? M humans is way better. And a Merfolk is a creature. It's a beast. It's not even a human. It's subhuman. I think someone here has been hanging out with General Kudrow of Dranath just a little bit too much. But let's get to how the two of you are in respect to your limited formats. First, to you, Mutual Destruction. How do you think the players have taken to you? How good do you think you are in the Ikoria limited format? I'm definitely first pickable. Um, I would probably first pick me. And if you didn't, I would, I would be concerned for, for what decisions you had made. So do you think you're... Pick one, pack one, first card. Absolutely. Really, really no question about it. It really doesn't even matter what your rare is. There, there might be one rare that I would take over me, but probably not. What, what rare would that be? 
not even sure. Not even sure there, that it exists really, but you know, there, there might be one out there. So mutual destruction. If you were sitting next to a player and they didn't take you pick one pack one, what would you have to say to them? I would probably ask them how long it takes them to mine gold. Cause they just dropped 10,000 right there. Bye-bye. Powerful statement from a very powerfully opinionated card. But I'm going to take that same question and go over to you, Fast Reader. How do you think you're being assessed in Ikoria Limited? Are players assessing you fairly? I am definitely underappreciated. Have been my whole life. But I would never have the gall or the lack of intellect to assume I'm better than all the rares in a set. I'm a human. I have a grand intellect. It's okay that you're not a Merfolk looter. That, that card's overrated anyway, just kind of like you. I'm overrated? You kill your own creatures. You don't even work at instant speed most of the time. You can't even blow people out most of the time. I, I think you're probably much better off in the graveyard. It's just a one-two on the board. I'm just saying. I'm better off in the graveyard. <laughs> That's rich. I am done with Demir. Azorius is way better than hanging out with people like you. You don't even think before you do anything. You Tell me how you're going to deal with a honey mammoth. Uh, I don't need to deal with the honey mammoth. That's not my job. I don't do that. I do so many other things. First of all, I'm a human. I don't know if I mentioned that. And I go through your deck and I smooth everything out. Well, that's really nothing. I mean, tell, tell me what you really do. I destroy things. What possibly could you do? Oh, I, I would find a removal spell to destroy Like me? Honey. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you're just talking about something like me over here again. Oh, like a rumbling rock slide or something. Like a useful oh my spell in my favorite guild, is it? Listen, oh. listen, listen. If you were the merfolk looter, not only would you be a better card, How dare you? you'd be mutated on. I will find your grandma. I mean, that's I half find your family. Well, it looks like things have gotten out of hand. Once more at the Enriquez Entertainment Event Hall, we're going to take a quick break, try to clear these things up, and get back to you after this commercial break. Guys! And welcome back to all my unlucky lounge rats as we make our way back to the bar itself. I hope that your time in the event hall in Monastery Manor was, let's say, interesting. I know that having those two cards on the stage and joining me for talking about Power Creep was something that I know I won't forget. And that's not necessarily in all the good ways, but we're now going to go from speaking with the cardboard to speaking with two really great guys also hosts of magic the gathering podcast something they have called let's draft uh please welcome to the feature table sean and jeff guys great to have you joining us in the unlucky lounge thanks for having us Corey. we're both really super excited to be here and uh, thank you very much for having us yeah thanks Corey. i really appreciate it and i cracked one i'm enjoying the uh, lucky lounge well, while we're talking about it, uh, here in the Unlucky Lounge, we have a little tradition known as the untapped step. So any of my Unlucky Lounge rats out there listening, or of course to Jeff or Sean, let's go ahead, uncrack, have a little cheers, and enjoy some conversation. Yep. Cheers. Cheers. So before we get into talking about Power Creep, 
I just want to get your gauge. Did you guys catch a little bit of that interview with Fascinator and Mutual Destruction? Yeah, I heard a little bit of it. Uh, what do you think about that Mutual Destruction? He was kind of like Devil May Care. He, he almost had that, you know, James Dean Rebel Without a Cause feel to him. Yeah, a little, little pompous, a little, little weird for me. But, you know, I guess we got to deal with all types in this world. You're not wrong. And Jeff, that Faster Reader, he has some pretty strong opinions on merfolks. I thought the Faster Reader was kind of a dink, to be honest with you. I think he should be called PP Palpatine, that, that guy from now on. I'm gonna <laughs> nick his new nickname. Every time I cast a Faster Reader, I will definitely call him PP Palpatine from now on. <laughs> and I've cheers. got one in, in a current arena deck right now. Yeah, cheers to that. Uh, so we, we had some fun uh, talking to the cards back in the event hall, but I, I want to swing it to you guys, and I want to have an actual talk about how the game has developed in limited in particular uh, with power creep. First off, do you guys think that the sets when it comes to limited, have they become more powerful over time? Well, I think that's a general trend, but obviously there are some sets that create valleys. For example, the M sets usually do that. You know, I, uh, what we're dealing with now is obviously more powerful than Ixalan if we look at the trajectory over the past three and a half, four years. So yes, there is, I think, a power creep happening, but that's not to say that there's, um, that every set is more powerful than the last. It's just a general tick upwards, I would say. Yeah, I would tend to agree. And me personally, I don't mind the growth and power level of the game. I think that's important and the game needs to find new ways to explore and experiment. And being the fact that I'm primarily a limited player, I have the luxury of not having to worry about when things get so powerful and out of play. And I guess, Sean, I'd love to know, has the strength of the card game kind of changing over time? Has that been distracting to you at all or caused you to, you know, be changing your perspective on the cards of the game in general yeah for sure it has um i mean i started back in third edition so i've been i haven't been playing drafts in that long ago but i've collected that long and you know when you were playing a a, a, a shivan dragon and and you know that was the only card in your deck that was going to win the game for you and it took literally all deck to get there it's a different game um but that's that's going way back. Uh, but there was even like Urza Saga. Sorry to go back even to that distance, but that that was a big Please. power block, and um, it changed the game then too. And I think right after that, the game took a dip, and I think it was partly because it had powered up so much that it didn't have anywhere to go. And I think there is a fear that that's something that's happening right now, and I can see the fear there. But I think that what people aren't taking into consideration, and sorry, this is a long-winded answer, but. If you get to please, know me, that's how, I, that's how I game. Um, you know, with, with the way the game is now, I, I think there are so many more good players. And I think that somebody said this, um, it might have been on Lords of Limited, um, said like, it's they, people, you don't, you're not drafting cards anymore. You're drafting decks now, right? And like, that's, I think that's really what it is. And that, that's a serious thing. And it really does change the, the dynamic of playing um, Limited. Yeah, I'm 100% there because when you're seeing these cards and even the ones that are being tabled, I look at these cards and having started drafting back in Mirrodin and the original Ravnica block, we never had the luxury of having playables for so late. But now because the limited format has grown and evolved to drafting decks, as you put it, there are cards that look playable, but are just stone unplayable in the decks that you are drafting. Jeff, what do you think about that? Like, is it good that, you know, even though now there's a good card in the pack, 
it's leading to that card might actually just be a trap and a skill tester in some strange way. Yeah, I like it. I like that uh, complexity that's coming into the game. It almost brings me back to this uh, replacement theory. If I can also be long-winded for a sec, Sean and I, when we took a divergent, divergence from Magic for a while, we played two games. We played EverQuest and we played Fantasy Football for about 10, 15 years before we got deep back into Magic. And something that they teach you a lot in Fantasy Football while drafting is replacement level. And that's the idea that, um, when you're looking at the last cards that are potentially going to make your deck or your roster, you're really looking for upside and like that build around playability or something like that, because another filler card isn't really going to do it for you because the whole pack is filled with nice filler cards these days. Every card in a pack is almost playable with a few exceptions. So, you know, I think it does make you swing for the fences a little bit and go for those high synergy picks sometimes when those average picks are just so replacement level. Yeah, I, and it's funny that I've always known replacement level in the game of Magic, but I never thought of it in fantasy football, which basically you're saying to an actual person, sorry, bro, you're replacement level. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's actually what we're saying. And to diverge for like like two minutes, speaking of fantasy football, one of my favorite shows of all time, and I'm really hoping you guys know this. Have you ever watched The League? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, with Paul Shear and uh, Jason Manzukis, Dude, in my past job, I painted uh, Jason Manzukis and sent him a painting. Uh, yeah, I have, uh, and he's, uh, what, what's his name on that show, Rafi? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I love the cast of that show. Yeah. I love that show in general, and I've like tracked the other stuff so I could watch them do more work. Like uh, uh, Mark, I forget, one of the two guys, the guy that, that's not married throughout the show, yeah, uh, he's on this new show called The Morning Show on Apple yeah. TV. Yeah, that that one compelled me. And then Manzukis and Sheer, I listen to all their podcast work. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, How did this get made? Yeah, they're great. Chef's kiss. Artist shoutouts. We got some artist shoutouts. That's right. <laughs> I love it. Um, we talked about this a little bit on the uh, the interview show a second ago, but I want to raise this question, particularly in the world of limited recently. Do we think creatures or spells have gotten better? Because I'm actually looking at a lot of the removal spells. And in the last year, I would say probably after Guilds of Ravnica, maybe like Ravnica Legions and beyond, the removal spells had been bangers. Like Throne had great removal spells, uh, Theros Beyond Death. And right now we've got some of the best removal spells I've seen in Limited in a long, long time. Do you guys think that removal spells in Limited environments have gotten better over time? or worse. All right, uh, I think that the long-term trend is that spells have gotten less powerful and creatures have gotten more powerful if you look at the beginning of Magic till now and put in a trend line, but that the short-term trend is that just everything is getting more powerful, that these spells and the creatures are. If you look at the past, again, like um, the sets you were talking about, I didn't play during then, but specifically looking at around the time Ixalan came out till now, there's a very definite trend line that it's not just creatures, it's, it's both. Everything's getting more powerful. And then we have the, the M set every year to like cleanse, cleanse our plat palette, you know? Yeah, I think I generally agree with that. I, I, it feels to me like um, removal has gotten worse um, like in this cycle from last cycle and that maybe I'm talking like seven or eight sets. And that's maybe, 
just my broad brain looking at the whole thing, but I don't, I can't like put it into words specifically. This card is better because it costed less, etc. But if I think if I looked back, the value has gone down a little bit for removal. Um, okay. And cre creatures has gone uh, up. Just just the mutate thing alone, I think, with this set is a, an example of how powerful the creatures have become. I'd like to Can put it. a cherry on top of what Sean just said because I think what we're getting at here is that even though the removal spells have gotten more powerful, yes, they have. Yes, Blood Curdle is an amazingly powerful limited common just compared to Eviscerate and Dominaria. A couple years ago, Dominaria was high-powered at the time, but... I think what Sean's saying is that it doesn't matter because the creatures and the synergy is getting so good that sometimes you just want your deck to focus on that. So sometimes removal isn't as good. Anymore. Yeah, well, there's decks now that just completely annulify it too, right? Where that in right. the past, that didn't happen. There was no bushmeat poacher. Right. It's strange when we're in a set like this today and pacifism is wheeling. It's strange to see these cards that used to be premium removal. I think that's what Sean is saying, that even though some removal spells are getting better, it's almost like the context of where removal fits into sets these days is dropping because you'd almost yeah. rather just focus on synergy these days than removal. Yeah, and it, it strikes me to my core when I see things like pacifism and divine arrows wheel, and it's right for that to happen because where I was, you know, in my old mindset of take one for one removal, get your board state, and the last good creature to resolve is going to win the game, that just doesn't exist anymore. Because one-for-one one removal just isn't going to get you anywhere in the scheme of what you're trying to do with the format. That is, I think, exactly what we're hard at, because the removal is scaling with the growth and strength of the game, but the strength of the synergies are going just as high up. And I want to take a second to speak now about very synergy-specific cards, uh, in particular, the Companions in Ikoria, because while I've been doing a lot of uh, Ikoria drafts on Arena, one thing that has gone down for me is the number of times that I've actually companioned. At the start of the format, I was companioning left and right, but as the formats continue on and on and card evaluations are getting more spot on, I'm finding the ability to draft decks with, say, Obosh or Gairuda, have gone way down because all the good like odd and even cards are not as accessible anymore and i'm finding yeah. that i'm not always going to be able to put together a sweet companion even if i pick one pack one like lutri you're losing a lot of value when you're giving up redundancies of fire prophecies and other build arounds are you guys finding the same thing like are you companioning less now as the format's going on because i am me no you go first this time sir you go well, first, sir. Got you. He got you, Sean. He did. I've been setting him up like all day, and he finally didn't take it. Uh, so I, I think that there's a few things. I think what you said right there about what I think has happened right now is we're in the middle phase of draft. Um, and what I mean by that is in the beginning, everybody's trying out the cards, figuring things out. And now we've hit that middle point where everybody thinks that the cycling deck is the best, and I, and I do say that intentionally. Um, and then there's these other decks like the red blue spells and uh, <clears throat> mutate deck, which are like the ones that people mainly want to play. Um, and, and I think that that'll morph again, right? And we'll see that change. It, it almost always does. And then it'll finally come to this final place where the set kind of sits. And then when it comes back to that place again, everyone says, oh yeah, here's the three things you need to know about that set. I don't know if that, that's going to happen with this set. I think this set maybe has done something which other sets haven't been able to do, which is that it'll continue to change 
con continuously. And part of that change is exactly what you just said. People are noticing that those cards that you need to put in your companion decks are good in their decks too. All right. Yeah. I have something to say yeah. about companions. Here we go. Hot take you, time. Let's go. You Night the fire. Sean <laughs> triggered me. So can I have a side rant? And then, Corey, you get me back on track with companions if I forget. Rant away. Okay. Sean said... People think Cyclean is the best deck. I would just like to address that because I'm sure there's plenty of very good limited players listening who are like, what did he just say? People think Cyclean's the best deck. I would just like to let everybody know that not everybody on this podcast is crazy. Sean is a very, very unique person and he has very unique takes on magic and that's why I love him. I'll go to him and I'll be like, hey, right now that, you know, we don't play standard, but I'll go to him and be like, hey, did you know that right now the top standard deck is like this 60 card Luca, like steal your stuff deck. And he'll be like, that's stupid. I'll beat that deck. That's so dumb. So same thing with cycling deck guys. He doesn't think it's good. So I don't know if anybody else heard him say most people think cycling's the best deck. He, he was alluding to the fact that he doesn't think it's good. And I just want to say for the rest of us on this podcast, we don't necessarily share that view. Wow. You waited to get on another podcast before you could really take him down a peg, didn't you? <laughs> Well, no, I'm, I'm helping out the, the listeners here. Are like, what did he just say? He thinks that other... Yes, Sean, the, the cycling deck is not only the best deck in this format, it's one of the best limited decks we've seen for a very long time. And Companions. It's very, it's very cute of you to... Companions. Talk, to be very anti and say that it's not good and be the one person Companions. in the wilderness saying that, but it's just not true, and I don't want to lead the listeners in the wrong direction. So, Companions? Okay, companions. so companions, sorry about that. Okay, I think that the right thing to do is to play companions in your deck most of the time um, and not companion them. However, I think it's super fun to companion them. Uh, I do think there are a couple that you really want a companion. I think Luris is busted being a companion. Um, Gigantha, the, the cost of being a companion is so little. I've personally had a lot of luck with Karuga. I've just learned to play a lot of, of dirty blockers, a lot of threes and fours, and uh, it works out pretty good for me. Um, I think in particular, the ones I don't like to companion so much anymore are Umori. I used to love that one. I even thought it was like the best one at first because you get to play all your creatures cheaper and you get to play it on turn four, sometimes even three if you have a mana ramp. But not having any removal in your deck at this state of the format where people are doing busted stuff is just something you can't really get away with anymore. What's even worse to me is that your opponent knows it. Right. Like your opponent's sitting across from you, you reveal Umori and they're like, Oh, great. Okay, I know right. exactly how to take care of this matchup. And like, they, I they guess I'll just exactly mutate the hell out of this thing because I know you're not going to kill it. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's like this this get-out-of-free-jail card, and you're like, well, you better have the Dirge Bat or the, right. the Pouncing Shore Shark to like interrupt me. And then the yeah. other one uh, I'm not very big on. Oh, I lost it now, but... um. Uh, well, a lot of people aren't big on Yorian. Um, I think most of the time it's not uh, good to companion that one. Lurtree, Zerda... Kahira, Zekantha. Oh, Kahira. Kahira is the other one I'm a little down on that I thought was pretty busted at first. And you can curve out correctly with Kahira, playing like even a one into a two, like a, a little garrison cat into a Vigi cat or something mm -hmm. into Kahira. It can be very good. But in general, again, there, it's a little too limiting for me in the same way that Umori is. There's a, it's surprising how many of the good creatures in this set are, do not follow those. You know, I... I appreciate the take for sure, and I, I'm definitely companioning less, but and I'm gonna feel guilty about this because I know there's so many people out there playing standard magic right now and they're having a miserable time with uh, companions. 
but I kind of love what Companions do to Limited. It's mm. such a different draft challenge that you just don't see often. And I love having the opportunity to build something and having such a stark reward for it. I really adore that. And as much as I know it's probably not healthy for constructive magic in the long run, I'm pretty happy with Companions in a limited format, which is why I think like the coming Commander format is gonna be really cool too when you have a actual commander and not like a plus one card advantage card that's in your board that no like not all decks have access to yeah to to spin off that how it's affecting limited versus uh constructed i'm on the same boat as you are i uh i think they're wonderful i think the extra puzzle of building around them is a ton of fun and i've really enjoyed it and it's honestly one of the reasons i keep playing the format because there's still that like oh what if i open you know one of these ones that I haven't played with yet, or I only got to play with it once, and oh, here's a good example, Obash. I played with it twice, and both times I was horrible with it. Where on the other hand, like Karuga, I built it three times, and I totally have Karuga figure, figured out, and I usually do really well with it. So like, I really want to play Obash <coughs> again, because I want to get it right, and I think that's the cool thing about this format that keeps me coming back. Um, the, you know, for other formats, it's really tough for me to speak to, because I don't like the repetitive nature of Constructed, but you know, just as a mental health PSA, I will say anybody out there super frustrated right now because your favorite formats you feel like are being ruined, just keep in mind, you know, you're dealing with a company that may listen to your feedback, but they may not. And you really need to look out for yourself and play a game that you love. And if that means stepping back from magic for a minute, or at least approaching it in a way that doesn't make you angry, is super important because you have very little control over what Wizards does and uh, you need to look out for yourself and you know affect what you can control. Yeah, I 100% I agree, because I, I think a break in every Magic player's lifetime is actually really important. And it's okay to take a break, and it's okay to step away for a month, two months, and get the, the cleanse, the juice cleanse out of there, and then go step back to tapping mana. I, I had the liberty of working on a cruise ship for years, so I'd always have like a two, three, four months of not playing the game. And then when I go back, I just love the game a little more. And I get to play it and really enjoy it. Uh, so I want to uh, have a penultimate question. Uh, so I, I want to go to your opinions here, guys. What is your favorite limited format of all time? Just straight, of all the limited formats, drafting or sealed or whatever, what's your favorite limited format of all time? Let's start with uh, Jeff. Okay, you're putting me on the spot here. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna, quick answer, let, let me riff a little bit here, but I'm gonna start just quick answer saying uh, it's Modern Horizons. Uh, one of the big reasons is because of the social aspect. I never played that game online and I do play online quite a bit. I play on Arena quite a bit, but I do have an LGS in Minnesota that is kind of my outlet in life for social aspects. And that's one thing, thing I really like about your show, Corey is a lot of the focus on the social aspect of the game of Magic and that it's not just about the game. Um, it's about the people and it's about the relationships we build through those people and the communities we build. And so something about the Modern Horizons uh, draft set really clicked with me. It was really overpowered, which I loved because I had only played recent uh, limited sets. So I really loved this overpowered set. The synergy was through the roof. Some of the crazy things you could do were great. And I found like, it was so deep that even 
once I thought I was good at it, I would hear about this new crazy deck, like that Storm Green Gain Life deck that that guy came what up with. What the Storm with, with like Blade Splice, with the uh, Splicer skill? Yeah, that, that, that was crazy. I still don't know how that deck works, but I heard it described and I'm like, oh yeah, those are the cards that were always in there at the end of the pack. I can say that Sean visited uh, me in Minnesota and we went and drafted that set together in his prize pack. He got home and he opened it and he's like, is this Ren and Six card good, Jeff? Like, yeah, that one's pretty good, buddy. He's so lucky with the packs. But I loved that set. I loved the depth and I loved the social aspect of playing it with each other. That said, I will say that uh, I, about the last nine sets on Arena, the last nine limited sets, uh, I've loved with the exception of Eldraine and Guilds of Ravnica. Every single other one, even including the M sets, I've been a very big fan of. Uh, Sean, tell me uh, favorite limited sets to draft. Uh, definitely was Dominaria. Um, it, it brought me back into to Magic. Um, Tafari, Tafari, excuse me. That that whole thing got me really, really good. I I remember being so excited to go and I hadn't drafted for I don't know a decade. Seriously, it had been a long time, and I got so excited that I I almost had to leave the store. Like I was I was almost having a panic attack. I was so excited. Like when I went to sit to open the cards. <laughs> I was fumbling around. I couldn't. I couldn't handle myself. And the, the girl sitting across from me was like, "Are you okay? Like, is everything all right?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm just. I haven't played in so long. I'm so excited." And then she just laughed. I know exactly what you feel. And then everything. And it was that social aspect of camaraderie and understanding. And what deck are you playing? Oh, you know. And like, the, and just everything went away after that. Yeah, personally, I can't wait till the world gets safe again and we can sit together at a table socially draft hear people gasp with cards that are being passed to them and then laying out your cards on a table and then people are looking at each other as fools I, I can't wait for that when this when this is over and what this actually means is that we're all going to have to get together in a store in minneapolis and, and make it happen that's what's going to have to happen oh yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. uh last question uh and this is kind of looking to the future what would you like to see coming down the pipeline in limited formats in the future? Um, the big one, the first thing that comes to my mind, and this might be a cheap one, but like um, being able to do uh, pod drafting on Arena would be outstandingly fantastic. You know, choosing you know, 80 of your friends and doing a complete draft online would be um, fantastic. Um, as far as like cards or uh, concepts or ideas like that, um, there was this concept called the Dotty um, I can't remember what set it was in. It's going back now. Um, I just remember the Dottie Trapper, and there were other Dottie cards that had oh, the shadow Dottie. effect. Yeah, the yeah, shadow, 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 right? Yeah. So I, I love that. Uh, I love the concept of this other thing that makes the card untouchable unless you're part of that style or whatever. And I'm not saying use that concept again, but I really remember that being kind of a, a mind bender for me in, a, in another way that kind of magic opened up the game and. Um, it was something like that would be a, a mechanic like that would be great. I appreciate that. We'll we'll bring Shadow back with horsemanship as well, and just have all the craziest evasions that exist in the game. There you we'll, go. Put, we'll put uh, what was the one from Shadows Skulk? We'll put Skulk in there too. Oh yeah, and no Skulk. one can block any creature. Like blocking <laughs> is just impossible. How about Island Walk? How about Walk abilities? Island Walk, Plains Walk, Swamp Walk. You remember those? Non-basic Island Walk. Or not yes. non-basic land walk. Uh, yeah. what was the, the two one from uh from Ravnica? I forget what that card is, but it's just like randomly can't be blocked 
at all in the format. <laughs> Just yeah. well, it wasn't possible. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, what do you want to see out of Limited's future? And I just thought of five things, so cut me off if I get too long. <laughs> All right, here we go. Here's here number go, five. <laughs> All right, number five. Um, I trust uh, the developers for the most part because uh, I do think that I, I like to trust people who are good at their jobs and they've all proved they're good at their jobs. So for the most part, I don't think too much about this stuff. I just think that I want there to be a good team in place. And if it's the same team that's been doing the last couple of years, I feel pretty good. Um, I guess specific stuff, uh, I'd like to go back to Dominaria again. I agree with Sean. That was a lot of fun. It was super nostalgic for players like Sean and I who played Factory and Mirage and Urza's Block and stuff like that. And I would like to see it come back. Um, I would like to see um, more Creature Lands, which I have a feeling we are gonna see uh, the next fall or winter. Um, I like that aspect of the game. Um, in, uh, what's the set called? Zendikar Rising. Zendikar Rising. Yeah, and so I guess I've heard that man lands are a theme and I personally like man lands, so I hope we see a lot of that. Um, yeah, for the, and then, uh, man, I had another one, but you know, that's what happens when you fill your brain with too much stuff is you only get a couple of them out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if you come up with those uh, different things that you want to see from Limited's future, I'm sure that we're going to hear it on your podcast. And this is a great opportunity for you guys. Tell everyone that's listening right now in the Unlucky Lounge, where can they find your podcast? Yeah, so you can find us. Uh, we have a podcast called Let's Draft. We were formerly named uh, Magic Arena Drafting Club, if you've heard of us, but uh, just a little too much of a mouthful for me. And so we're changing it over to Let's Draft. And we're you know on, on uh, pretty much any format you can find out there. And uh, yeah, we, we hope to bring in, and our big thing is uh, we go for proliferation. We go for lots of content because we're podcast junkies. Sean and I are the type of people who from that fantasy football type of background and from those other gaming type of backgrounds, we got into podcasts super early for research uh, things and we've listened to a million podcasts, it feels like over our lifetime. And so uh, we thought, why not get in the game ourselves? And one thing we thought was missing in the limited uh, podcasting content community is uh, like daily or every other day podcast. So we may not be the best. We, you know, we bow to the Kings out there, the limited resources, the Lords of limited, you know, these guys, uh, we don't claim to be smarter than, than them or better than them, but, you know, Sean and I get together pretty well. Hopefully you like listening to us and we try to bring stuff out to you constantly about our experiences on the arena ladder. Do you ever breathe, dude? I drink a lot of coffee, that's for sure. <laughs> Trust me, I'm right there as well. So all my unlucky lounge rats, uh, check them out. Let's draft where you can find any other podcasts and just want to extend a really big thank you, Jeff, Sean. Really appreciate you joining us in the Lucky Lounge. Y'all uh, in for chilling for another drink here in the bar? Sounds always. Great. Always. Well, my unlucky lounge rats, that brings us to the end of this episode. Once more, a big thank you to the boys at Let's Draft. Find them wherever you can find your podcast. Listen to their content. They're great. They put things out nearly every day. So if you're a big magic junkie like myself, tune in and enjoy their content. And of course, my unlucky lounge rats, feel free to find us on Patreon, on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram at Corey Demon Enriquez so we can all come together and celebrate the game that we love. A big thank you to everyone tuning in. My name is Corey, joined of course by Borok. And go out there and make some magical memories of your own.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.